Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the Mother Mystery Podcast. This is where we're going to talk about strange mysteries and I try to make you laugh. So grab a glass of wine and get cozy. Hey y'all. I wanted to get another episode out really quickly because I feel like the last two were shit. Let's call it what it is. But I am going to pop this bottle of champs um, to toast my first two episodes because I don't see you out here making a podcast. So while I know that every week is going to get better and better, I put this in. Cheers. This ain't my first bottle. (laughs) This ain't my first bottle of champs. Okay. Cheers to Mother Mystery, y'all. Yeah, so let's get into the motherfucking mystery. This week is about the evil that is Lori Vallow. Oh, I hate her. I hate her. Also, my accent is a lot heavier than I thought it was. And I'm not going to apologize for that. We're just going to embrace it. So I'm sure you've heard, if you've not heard of this story, I hope that you haven't because I want you to be shocked and as alarmed as I was when I first heard it. But if you have, um, I hope that maybe I have some new deets that shock you again. Because there's always new updates. There's always, there's just so much about it anyway that... It, it's crazy. I followed this story um, after seeing, I think it was like a Dateline episode. I followed it like as new news was coming out. I just felt sick about this woman. So buckle the fuck up. This episode is a doozy. Not too much mystery here. The number one mystery is how Lori Vallow can sleep at night. She was, I guess, what some people would call a pretty woman. She was blonde skinny tall straight teeth she was very close with her family she has she has a son in her second marriage and a daughter in her third marriage she eventually leaves her third husband because um her son has accused him of sexually assaulting him she takes the kids and leaves um there's a long custody battle there's what she calls harassment of him following them trying to get the kids back so they're in court for divorce and custody so all of this is happening and one day his name is joe third husband is joe joe ryan so joe's sister one day gets a call from the police in phoenix they're trying to find a relative of joe's and have them come id his body So she calls Lori right away and is like, is my brother okay? Um, And she's like, oh, no, he he died like a month ago. And that's how she lets his sister know that he's dead. This 
is just a situation police say where he died of natural causes he was in his apartment alone and he wasn't found until like a week after he passed away these natural causes deaths are going to keep coming up a lot in this story so yes police conclude he has passed away from a heart attack and that's where i start rolling my eyes and so starts this long string of weird deaths all people close to this woman there is a recording of Lori that was taken secretly. Okay, it, all we know is that. We don't know where it is, um, who she's talking to. It does sound like she's talking to a group of people in front of a group of people, it sounds like, talking into a microphone or something. And she's just spilling her freaking guts. She's like, I was going to kill my ex-husband after finding out about him raping my kids. Her words, not mine. She says, I even looked it up in scripture, and the scripture says, if he comes against you once, if he comes against you twice, if he comes against you three times, then you can kill him. She's like, it's in there, so I know that that's okay. Don't worry, I didn't do it, though. Ha, 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 ha. Lori's fourth marriage was to a man named Charles. They live in Arizona, and... <laughs> Bless me. They seem to have a happy marriage. <clears throat> Excuse me. And a happy life. Their marriage lasted 14 years. Charles also... <laughs> Excuse me. Charles also had older kids from a prior marriage, and then she and Charles adopted JJ in 2013. JJ was Charles's sister's grandson, um, and I guess she could no longer take care of him, so Charles and Lori offered to adopt him. JJ was autistic, but it's said that Lori was really patient with him. He fit into their lives well, and she was a great mother. But there's also the part where a friend says she expressed how she wants to drive her and her kids off a cliff to save them from the end of the world, and that way they can be safe from the end times. Yeah. <laughs> I have in my notes that Lori and Charles attend an LSD church. It's LDS. An LSD church would be pretty wild, though. Um, but Lori starts getting a bit extreme. She has a lot of encounters with spirits and starts preparing for the end time. She's like a, um, what are they called? Like, uh, doomsday prepper. Okay. Um, but aside from that, there's just, um, doomsday prepping, like, that's not too far off. She starts a podcast, <laughs> With a friend from an LDS group she's in named Melanie Gibb. Put a pin on that. Lori becomes a super fan of a post-apocalyptic... 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 With a post-apocalyptic author. That's right, right? Named Chad Daybell. And he would be a reoccurring guest on the girls' podcast. If you, I don't think that you can find much about this podcast anymore, but the girls, <clears throat> there are some recordings of it, and the girls are like, Hi, you're here with Melanie and Lori. Good morning. And we have special guest. <laughs> special guest, Chad Daybell. The name of the podcast what was it feel the fire or fuel the fire something like that they're just talking about um how the world's gonna end excuse me the second coming of christ is happening um and that 
Chad Daybell knows everything there is to know about these times coming that we all need to prepare for. Um, Chad says he has had two near-death experiences that have shown them the difference between the earthly and spiritual worlds. He knows about the second coming of Christ. He writes a lot of books about it, and he goes to conferences to discuss his experiences while, while trying to sell his story and his books. Lori finally meets Chad at a conference he was speaking at. He tells her that on the way to that conference, he heard a voice say, You will meet an extraordinary woman today, and she will change your life forever. And boy, did she. He tells Lori they've actually been married seven other times in their previous lives, and she loves this. She's like, oh, how flattering. And she tells Melanie, and Melanie's like, yes, she was very intrigued about this. Fueled, I guess, her fandom for Charles even more. And after this, they just decide they have to be together. So Lori is just really infatuated with Chad Daybill. Her husband, Charles, becomes alarmed about the obsession with Chad for good fucking reason, and he starts accusing her of having an affair with him. Lori, this pisses her off, and she starts accusing Chad of having an affair, and she takes an opportunity one time he's on a work trip, and she cancels his return flight, goes to the, her and her weird brother Alex go to the airport, steal his truck, go home, pack up all his shit, and throw it away. She packs up her and the kids' shit, and they are out of here. They're out of Dodge. He gets home. No one's at the house. Um, He calls police, and there is body cam footage of the police encounter he has. And he's just like, yeah, I don't know where my wife is. I don't know where my kids are. And my wife has been threatening to kill me. She says, I don't know who you are. You're not Chad. Well, actually, she says his name is Nick Schneider, which is like a spirit that has entered his body or something. You're Nick Schneider. You're not Charles. So I'm going to fucking kill you, basically. He tells police, they're like, well, has she gone to the doctor? Has she talked to anyone? And he says, well, no, because she also says that she's an eternal being. And if she goes to the doctor, they're going to find that out. And they they can't find that out. She has drained their bank accounts. Charles tries to explain to her family that he's not cheating. And it's actually that Lori's losing her mind. The only person in the family who supports Charles is Lori's normal brother, Adam. Lori had cut ties with Adam because he thinks she's batshit. In regards to the family icing out Charles, it's because Lori is manipulating them into thinking that Charles is the one having an affair and says, everybody needs to stop talking to Charles. Just leave us alone. We're going through this. So just back the fuck off. So while Charles is talking to the police, literally afraid for his life, they aren't able to do anything because a crime hasn't actually been committed. He's like, she has custody of the kids, so she has the kids. Nothing we can do about that. This is y'all's house. You guys just need to straighten this out. Charles requests with police that she have a psyche vow, but she doesn't get committed some fucking how. She probably just snaked her way out of that like she does everything fucking else, but... Charles gets an attorney to file for divorce. Charles and Lori's normal brother, Adam, communicate a lot about what to do and how to intervene or help Lori. Um, Adam is willing to try. He calls weird brother Alex and says, hey, I'm coming to town. Can I stay with you? I'm just going to come for a couple days. So he, Adam, has actually told another family member that he's coming because him 
he's trying to have like an intervention type meeting with his family and Lori to address the concerns about how she's acting. So this family member who he's told this to then tells Alex and Alex cuts that shit off and he won't answer calls or texts from Adam after this. Lori has a text message she sends to Alex, which says, I'm going to need you to stay close to me the next couple days. Thank you for standing by me. It's all coming to a head this week. Okay, so then we fast forward to a 911 call from Weird Brother Alex in July 2019. He says he has shot his brother in the chest and he's on the ground unconscious. So turns out Chad... Charles. Charles? Charles had went to the house that morning to pick up JJ for school. He has JJ in the car, goes back in because he's forgotten his cell phone. He's in the house. Um, Weird brother Alex is there, and he sees Lori going through his cell phone. She's mad about something she sees on there, or he's mad that she's going through his phone. Who knows? Lori, mind your business. You shouldn't have been going through his phone anyway, but... So this starts a fight, a fight that daughter Tylee can hear in her bedroom. So she comes out of the bedroom with a baseball bat and she's like trying to protect her mom. She's like, get away from my mom or I'm going to slam you with this baseball bat. Good for you, girl. Um, But Alex says that Charles takes the baseball bat out of Tylee's hand and is then threatening her with it. So he goes to his bedroom. I guess he's been staying with Lori. Gets a gun, comes back out and says, you know, drop the bat. And Charles doesn't do this. So he says, I shot him. So when police get there, um, Charles, Chad, no, Alex. (laughs) Alex. Weird brother Alex says um, that he's there alone. And when he was on the phone with 911, they were going over, um, you know, do compressions. This is how you do it. Let's do it together. There's heavy breathing on the phone. They feel like he's doing that. When police get there, there is no blood on his shirt. No evidence that he was even attempting CPR. Police are there and he says that he's at home alone. So that means that Lori, Tally, and JJ just left after this happened. And Lori's taken Charles's car. She hops in Charles's car, who just got shot, takes JJ first to Burger King. Um, this was part of his normal routine of every day. And with autism, it's not something that you just want to switch up. So she takes him to Burger King, drops him off at school, and her and Tylee go to, like, Walmart and get fucking flip-flops, I think. They're just gallivanting around town. So they get there. There's body cam footage from the police also of them speaking with Tylee and Lori, who are both very composed. Um, Lori's even joking about how they just moved here and how much of an irritation this is going to cause the neighbors. She's fucking scum of the earth, that woman. So they take everyone in for interviews at the police station. Lori's just smiling, still no emotion, and Tylee is agreeing with both Lori and Alex's bullshit story that Charles was there to take JJ to school. They got in an argument, and he she tries to come out of her room with a baseball bat, and this ends in the shooting being self-defense. Charles does, unfortunately, die from the shooting, and... Police later say that he has more than one gunshot wound 
And one of them had to have happened with someone standing over top of him. So Alex shot him. He was dead on the ground and shot him again. Bastard. No further investigation, by the way, into the shooting. It's like, oh, seems like self-defense. Let's just wrap this up. We're good. Lori tells her son, Colby, that Charles died of a heart attack. He finds out what really happens from 16-year-old Tylee, who is just an emotional wreck when she's asked about it. Then Lori, and I'm going to say this next part as calmly as possible, okay? She says, well, I guess I need to let Charles's sons know. And sends them a text that says, hey, boys, bad news. Your dad died yesterday. Um, I'll keep you updated, you know. Okay, love you. Bye. And they're like, what the fuck, Lori? What are you fucking talking about? And she says, you know, I'm putting I'm putting JJ to sleep. I can't I can't talk about this right now. I'm busy. Um, I'll update you tomorrow, I promise. And I'm sorry. This fucking woman. I hate her so much. Then she tells JJ's school that Charles has committed suicide. It's just she's just fucking lying it up to whoever needs to hear a story. Four days after the shooting, Lori's calling insurance to ask about this $1 million life insurance policy. They ask, well, what's happened to Charles, your husband? She says, um, well, he's been shot. Turns out Charles had removed Lori from beneficiaries and assigned them to his sister to give to JJ. Thank heavens. He did this because she was threatening to kill him. Lori left Arizona with the kids shortly after and went to Idaho. This is where Chad lived. By the way, he had moved to Idaho because a voice told him to do so, and he was trying to make what he called a great gathering there. That's fucking creepy. Lori says they have to move because people are after her. She's fearful for her life now. So Lori, Tyler, JJ, and weird brother Alex moved to an apartment complex there. Why did he have to move too? He's just so weird. He just... He believes anything she has him believe. She manipulates him into just being such a dark person. Ugh. Friends say around this time that Lori starts to refer to her children as zombies. And there is a list of Lori's family that was described as either a light spirit or a dark spirit. The dark spirits were zombies and it was Chad and Lori's job to get rid of them. I don't know how this is happening. Like, she needs to be in a padded room. But also, if lesson of the day, if you have a friend who is calling her kids zombies, tells you that you're a dark or a light spirit, you need to, first of all, run. Second of all, tell everybody you know. And third of all, call the police and have her see a doctor. Okay, get this. Lori's niece, Melanie, a different Melanie than podcast Melanie, was going through a divorce with her husband, Brandon. Lori asked Chad to rid Melanie's house of bad spirits because of the divorce. Chad says, well, first I have to rid evil spirits of Brandon. One night, Brandon calls 911 saying someone just shot at his car, shattered his window, and drove off. Brandon describes the car that fits the match of Lori's dead husband, Charles's Jeep. A week before the shooting, Weird Brother Alex is seen in Charles' Jeep and gets both the front and back windows tinted. There's a lot of evidence that ties Lori and Chad to the shooting. Security footage shows them at a storage unit hiding, like, a spare tire from the Jeep or something. Um, they're communicating on burner phones a lot. 
Alex Google search shows him looking for Brandon's new address. Lori's Googling information on man shot in town. So plot twist. Chad is married to a school librarian. They remember to be a sweet family with five kids. There's a weird Facebook post one day from his wife, Tammy, that, hey guys, a weird story. I was just outside and this man in a ski mask came into my yard and shoots at me a couple times. Luckily, he misses. And once I'm yelling, um, you know, Chad comes out, so he runs away. Days after this, Tammy is found dead in her bed, and it's concluded it was from, you guessed it, natural causes, baby. Chad denies having an autopsy done on her, and police are like, okay, again, let's let's wrap it up. Nothing seems to be specific. Nothing seems to be suspicious. Looks like natural causes. In the weeks after his wife's death, I think it's like two weeks, Chad and Lori go to Hawaii and they get married. And they tell no one. No one's there with them. It's just them two. They get fucking married. JJ's grandmother had been asking to talk with JJ for months. And really all of the family would be asking about Tylee and JJ and would get no response from Lori. Lori's son, Corey, is trying to reach out to Tylee, but she'll only answer through text messages. And he says they just don't sound like her. She's punctuating things weird. She's talking weird. Police say JJ Vallow was last seen on September 22nd, 2019. I just realized that's my anniversary, September 22nd, 2018. Anyway, the podcast and End Times friend Melanie Gibbs says that she and her boyfriend David were staying with Lori that weekend. On the night of September 22nd, David says he's asking where JJ's been since they've been there. Lori says he's been acting like a zombie. Yeah, he's just been, uh, like, climbing up the cabinets in the kitchen, and he knocked over my picture of Jesus. So Alex had to take him away because he was being too crazy. You're the one to fucking talk, Lori, you crazy David does see JJ that evening um, that he had asked when Alex brings him back from having taken him away. He's being carried by Alex, laying his head on his shoulder. Um, Looks very peaceful, and some of the family thinks that, well, I don't want to say it. By early November, JJ's grandmother asks police to do a welfare check on JJ. They're told by Lori that he had been staying with friend Melanie. Lori and Chad call Mel and say, hey, so the police are going to call you soon. Could you, like, not answer? She says this made her a little uncomfortable. Lori gets on the phone with her. She says, hey, don't worry. Everything's cool. But I did tell the police that you and JJ went to see Frozen. So just an idea. If you could find, like, 15 kids um, and take a picture of them in a group and send it to me. I will show it to the police and tell them that one of them looks like JJ. Real story. She actually did this. How do you think this is going to work? Like everything in in her life is just, she thinks, if she thinks it, <laughs> that it's going to happen, that it's going to work, that nothing's going to come back to bite her in the motherfucking ass. So, days after this combo, Mel says that she calls Alex and she says, do I even want to know where JJ is? And he says no. Girl, come on. You knew about what was happening with your podcast, with you knowing about, with you knowing about Lori wanting to rid the world of all the zombies. She starts calling him a zombie. She better quit playing. She does call Lori and Chad and says, hey, so just a quick question. Why did you have me lie to police and tell them I have JJ when I don't? 
And Lori's like, well, I couldn't tell them where he really is. Duh. Mel says, well, all these people around you guys are dying, and this just doesn't seem like God's plan to me. Lori responds with, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. This doesn't sound like you. This sounds like you've been influenced by somebody dark. Because, you know, they know all about the light and dark spirits. Duh. She does call the police, Mel, and tells them she had been told to lie to them about J.J. So then by November 26, both kids are listed as missing. In December, during the search for the kids, Chad and Lori decide to go vacation again in Hawaii. There's a famous video. You've probably seen it. I think Dateline went and shot it, and they're, like, following them around Hawaii asking, Where's the kids? Where's the kids? Can you comment on the kids? Lori's like, No comment. But... You can't fucking say no comment when somebody's asking about your missing kids. So during the investigation into the kids, police say, I wonder if we should dive a little deeper into Chad's wife's death, you think? They exhume her body and do an autopsy and hold on to your butts. Also, in late December, Lori's brother Alex dies of natural causes, natural fucking causes, at 51. But like good riddance, there's... There's more to this story about how he's told his wife, who no one really knew about, that he felt he was the fall guy for Lori and Chad and some other stuff. But I feel like this has been enough of a roller coaster. In January 2020, the police are sick of Lori. They give her an order to produce the kids. And when she continues to not do this, she's arrested. Fucking finally. Her mugshot is disgusting. Look it up. Or don't. In jail, Lori continues to continues to deny saying anything about where the kids are and that in that June, police start a search of Chad's backyard where Alex's phone had been pinged. Chad's watching them search the property from his daughter's house across the street. He's talking with Lori on the phone from jail and she's like, hey babe, are you okay? And he says, well, they're searching the property. Lori very calmly says, okay, well, it's going to be okay. He sounds a little nervous and then he tries to dip out, getting in his SUV and starts hauling ass down the road. They chase him, arrest him, and then they tragically find the remains of both JJ and Tylee in the motherfucker's backyard. Around the last sighting of Tylee, investigators find that Alex's cell phone's GPS placed him in Chad Daybill's backyard on the property for about two hours. About 14 minutes after he's left the property, They see um, that Chad has texted his wife, and it said, Weird morning. I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun, and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He's now in our pet cemetery. Your pet cemetery? Gross. Also around the time of JJ's death, Alex's phone is once again pinged at the property. In absolutely heartbreaking recordings of Lori's son, Colby, calling her in jail, he's asking her why she could not keep his siblings safe, and she tells him he just doesn't fully understand, but one day he will. She denies doing anything wrong, and I do believe that she didn't murder the kids, but she had it done, and she could have protected them, and she maybe thought that she was in this delusional, spiritual thing that she was in but and that's the most frustrating part because she will never really believe that this is her fault and could have all been avoided if it weren't for her in may 2021 both chad and Lori are charged with first degree murder of the children Lori is charged with murder of charles and chad is with the murder of his wife pop the champs 
In June, Chad pleads not guilty, fucking coward, and Lori's trial gets put on hold on account of her mental health. The same mental health issues everybody had seen for the past what? What fucking year are we at in this point? Why nothing was ever done infuriates me. By September 2021, Chad is waiting trial and his kids speak out for the first time telling 48 hours that they believe their father is innocent and that he was probably framed by Alex and Lori. By April 2022, Lori is considered mentally competent to continue with trials. She comes back. She refuses to enter a plea to murder charges, which forces the judge to enter a not guilty plea on her behalf. I don't know how that works. How does she just get to plea not guilty if she doesn't want to say anything at all? In September of this year, cameras were banned in the courtroom by the judge in fears any images would prevent a fair trial probably because you can see the evil in Lori's black eyes and they scream guilty um there's a video of jj's grandfather who's just the sweetest little man and i hate this for him so much and and jj's grandma but i guess since the investigation is still ongoing they haven't released the bodies to the family and there's a video where he's just like come on just give us the give us their bodies at least so that we can do what's right and like finally try to have some peace about this and that is that's sad i didn't realize that that is what would happen if like an investigation is still ongoing which why the fuck is it anyway what how could this not point to them like really so yeah the last update was that about the the banning of the cameras in the court September, October, last month. Um, and that's kind of where we are. I think that the next time they'll go to trial is early next year. And I don't know really when, but I'm waiting on the day. I want it. I want, I want justice. I'm sorry. There's no happy ending to this story. Poor Charles, poor JJ and Tylee. They would still be here had it not been for Lori Vallow and the delusional belief she had. I hope she has to suffer just as those involved have. I don't even want death for her. I just want her to be accountable and to feel accountable. Tylee Ashlyn Ryan was 17 years old and Joshua Jackson Vallow was seven years old when they passed. You're beautiful. See you next time. Mm -hmm.